1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss taking an account-based approach to all of your marketing activities. Joining us is Dan Fronin, who is the CMO of Sendoso, which is a sending and account-based execution platform. Sendoso supports revenue-driving teams to stand out with new ways to engage throughout the customer journey by integrating digital and physical sending strategies that enable companies to increase the effectiveness of their go-to-market programs and improve their relationships with their existing customers. Yesterday, Dan and I talked about how marketers are moving beyond just ABM towards ABX, account-based everything. And today, we're going to turn the conversation to how ABM-style marketers are achieving growth during the economic downturn. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Dan Fronin, CMO of Sendoso. Dan, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Excited to have you back on the show. Excited to continue our conversation So we talked about the concept of ABX yesterday, which is ABM, but not just for marketing, it's for conversions, it's for customer success, understanding the entire customer journey from cradle to grave. Now, ABM in my mind was one of these buzzwords that in the last couple of years was like, people might've been doing ABM, might've been taking a customer centric approach, but ABM became a keyword for marketers or a buzzword for marketers in the last two years all of a sudden the world changed, the outbreak of the coronavirus, we're all stuck working from home. Has ABM still a thing? Is it still important to marketers or is this just a trend that we're seeing go to the wayside because of the economic downturn?
2: I think even more so now than ever before. And the primary reason for it is I don't know any marketer, maybe with the exception of a big brand like Taco Bell or Coca-Cola, that wasn't asked to either stop their programs or seriously look at slowing them down while their companies took stock to find out what was going to happen during COVID and what a post-COVID world looked like. And that really put pressure on marketers to figure out how to do more with less, how to really double down on their ideal customer profile, which I think is naturally kind of put some wind in the sails of an account-based approach.
1: Yeah, to me, the big thing that happened when the COVID-19 outbreak started was first off, a lot of people got laid off and that was unfortunate. And then second, the marketing budgets were slashed. And that means that the performance marketing and buying your way into the customer's mind was no longer an option for most marketers. Now, performance marketing has come back. It's still kind of on the cheap. Not everybody has brought all of their budgets back. And you're saying that people were investing or marketers were investing more in ABM style strategies. Talk to me about what you saw people do when their performance marketing budgets were slashed.
2: I saw a lot more people go back to basics. So the conversations that I had with other CMOs, the conversations I had with demand gen professionals, field marketers, was how can I still engage with my target audiences when they themselves may not be in a buying cycle right now? And the answer to that became, how can you figure out what's most relevant to them? And how can you lean in and educate them? Because we do know that from past experiences during economic downturns, particularly in the 80s, it was really the companies that doubled down on their brand. So they still had a little bit of performance marketing spend there. But it turned into a brand play where you're educating the market, getting close to your audience versus trying to acquire them and convert them in the moment. And that's really started to play itself out pretty distinctly, particularly on our side of the business. I mean, every other B2B company that I've talked to had a what I would call a COVID pipeline frozen moment. And as that pipeline has begun to thaw, we realized that the educating that we did is paying off in dividends.
1: Yeah, the performance marketing reckoning related to COVID was something that really hit the B2B segment the hardest. I think on the consumer side, you still saw e-commerce brands spend and some of them spend aggressively, depends on what industry you're in. You mentioned going back to the basics using an ABM strategy. Talk to me about what that foundational work that you're doing, what, you know, what type of branding and how are you reaching your customers to stay top of mind?
2: Yeah, I mean, in the last episode, you had talked a little bit about right message, right time, right audience. And those really are the basics, right? That's the dream for any kind of revenue facing team is how can I get that right mix and get my customer acquired for the cheapest amount possible. And this has really forced us to do that. So that means going back, looking at your messaging, who are you trying to connect with in the first place? Are you using the phone? Are you using email? Are you using social? And why are you doing it? And if you're doing it a 1000 times a day, and only getting like half the point conversion, what happens if you were to only do it 500 times a day, but double or triple that conversion? Would you be able to get better and better and better incrementally by doing less with more?
1: It's interesting that marketers really focused on the foundation of marketing when the performance budgets were slashed. And and this is some of the advice that we had in our crisis marketing week. And one of the first pieces of content we did when the coronavirus happened was felt like we should talk about our experience When you think about understanding who the customer is, there's a big data component to this. Talk me through how you think about finding who's the right customer, what's the right message, what's the right time to send it? What data do you look at to make those decisions?
2: Man, I wish we had an hour to talk about this. We could. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing is if you are a company that has like 100 plus customers, go into your customer data. What are the trends there? Is there 60, 70% of them that are in the same industry, adjacent industries? And if you can find that mix, then go back and score it against your database. Is your database like your best customers? If the answer is yes, then start to prioritize that. And I'd say another step that we did at Sendoso right when COVID hit is I join different kind of revenue communities and learn from other revenue professionals. Because one that I learned from was an ops professional that had acquired a list of 80 different industries and had a score based on how they were going to fare during COVID. So if it was hospitality, you probably didn't want to go out and prospect into that at the moment. If it was airplanes and that sort of industry, probably not. If it was network security, guess what? We're doing a lot more online commerce. They're probably going to do pretty well because people are trying to tighten up their security. So doing that extra bit of effort as well to make sure that you are getting into the right accounts has helped us a lot as well.
1: Yeah, it's one of the things that I preach regularly on this show is that finding out who your customer is and actually having a conversation with them is the most valuable thing you can do to really set a good foundation for your marketing. And you're talking about a very similar thing. Go back into your database, profile who your best customers are, and then go try to find more of them. If you don't have a hundred customers, is there a way that you can learn about your prospect base or who's most likely going to convert?
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's really the same process. So, if you're a younger company, and let's say you're, you're even pre customer, and you're trying to land your first one, you likely have some sort of hypothesis on who they are. So you need to make the same assumptions and go out and test it. As you're having those conversations, start to learn what makes them tick. As you start to get them over the finish line to potentially paying customer, start to look at their characteristics the same way you would a customer and then refine it back earlier in your process.
1: Yeah, I think that the quantitative or qualitative, you know, getting in touch with your customers, either sitting down and having a conversation with 10 people, looking at your database and looking for similarities, you know, between your first 100 customers, there's a couple different ways to skin a cat here. As you think about which direction we're heading, right, the coronavirus outbreak has happened, performance marketing budgets were shuttered. Now we're starting to come out of that a little bit. And obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world and in the economy, you know, when you look into your crystal ball, what do you think is going to happen for marketers and what are some of the things that you recommend they prioritize?
2: I would say that the biggest thing that you really have to be focused on is hyper-relevance. So that's really getting some sort of feedback loop in place, both internally, it's also talking to your customers, it's going out with messaging, but then constantly making sure that your audience is resonating with it. And if they're not, then continuing to refine it until they do. And then I think the most important thing now is we are almost like news cycles. I would call it the same in B2B right now is we have content cycles. People are so much more connected digitally right now that the same message over and over is going to fall on its face after a while. So you have to continue to up-level yourself a little bit, change it up a little bit so that you're keeping your audiences engaged.
1: Yeah, I think that when you're thinking about segmentation, That's really going to help you with that hyper-personalization. I understand that this is a A A-level customer, a senior executive, how much they've been on the website, what content they've already consumed. That should all play into what's delivered next. I think the other thing that you mentioned is we all get a lot of impressions these days and your content has to be fresh and memorable. So thinking about what your frequency caps are from an ad impression perspective is a really important metric, maybe more now than ever before. When you think about the different deliverability mechanisms, how you're getting your message across and some of the channels which you're sending them, how do you think about how many emails, how many impressions, what are some of the different touch points and the volumes that you expect to send to still stay relevant?
2: That's an amazing question. And I think about it in two different ways. One is I think about it on like an SDR or an AE side when you're actually prospecting in. And I still think that it's anywhere between eight and 20 touches in a cadence before you've exhausted it. And then on the marketing side, I think it's slow and steady wins the race. So if you are having them in your database and on a nurture, I'm an advocate for every other week. I think weekly is overkill. And then from a digital ad perspective, if you are... Targeting them in a way that is more ABM centric versus retargeting or just whatever might show up when they're on the web. I'd say that your best mix is actually trying to spin out the creative every other week as well. So I'm mixing customer stories versus brand versus educational.
1: It's interesting that you bring up the different stories, and I think that that's important. I think of how much to market towards someone as you can pass the ball around the court and work your way closer to the goal. To use a basketball metaphor, you're going to send a little onboarding messaging, do a little SDR up front. You know, for me, we do three or four email cadences to get someone started. And if they're not going to bite there, you move them into a nurture campaign. And some of that is education and case studies, but then there's also events. And so you're able to sort of deliver what should hopefully be relevant information in a couple different contexts. Hey, we want to sell you something. No, you're not ready for that? All right, we're going to educate you. Oh, look at this. We have an event for you that you can get some value out of, build more of a relationship with the company. All right, we're going to double back and we're going to try to sell to you again. And you're really kind of coming at it from multiple different approaches. Do you have a sense of how a customer is signaling that your messaging is actually oversatiating them or you're sending too much or too much of the same thing? (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's a tough one because I you know, I think the ultimate signal is they hit that do not email me button. But typically, we'll see points within our nurture where we'll see certain segments start to drop off from an engagement standpoint. And that means usually two things. One is that the content split point has not hit the mark, or we have not been staying true and only hitting them every couple of weeks. So to me, it's kind of that engagement point and where we see the drop off. And then we're constantly looking and seeing, okay, should we have stopped and cooled them off longer? Should we have put in a different piece of content? Should we have educated them in a different way?
1: Yeah. And I think talking again about what's going to happen in the future, obviously, no one has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen in terms of the economy. But I do think there's the assumption that eventually performance marketing budgets will rebound. And my hope is that marketers being forced to go back to the drawing board, figure out how to be more personalized, how to work with less and not just spend dumb money helps us to be better marketers, deliver better results, more effective. But also when the performance marketing budgets come back, it'll help us use that as a more effective tool. When you think about the right way to blend in your performance marketing budgets with some of the ABM style outreach, how do you envision those multiple channels coming together?
2: So I have this saying called inbound equals outbound and outbound equals inbound. If you are on a target account strategy, and let's say your universe of target accounts is 12,000, and your SDR team starts working through them, recycling them, they go to your database. If you have your performance marketing set up in a way where you're top of funnel, educating via social media, really getting them to engage with content mid funnel is maybe a webinar, a deeper white paper, and then your bottom of funnel is really, are they going to convert through any kind of cost per click channels when they're actually searching and maybe have some sort of brand recall? We see a large percentage, probably about 40% of our outbound SDR opportunities are actually created from people that they had worked in the past that are actually coming in through our inbound channels. So I think the performance marketing is very complementary if your outbound and database strategy is sound. I think it can work very well together. And you can see a pretty profound attribution point that goes right back to that ICP that you're trying to hit.
1: I think that's a great description of the different ways where you can blend in your performance marketing and really what you should be thinking about when you're viewing your data and understanding where a customer is in their life cycle. All right, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Dan Fronin, CMO of Sendoso. If you'd like to listen to the rest of our conversation, we're going to publish the third part of this interview tomorrow morning when Dan and I discuss how you can drive attendance to your virtual events using ABM. But if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Dan, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Daniel Fronin, D-A-N-I-E-L-F-R-O-H-N-E-N. Or you could visit his company's website, which is Sendoso.com, S-E-N-D-O-S-O.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes contact information for our guests you can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions which we'll answer live on our show of course you could always reach out on social media our handle is martechpod m-a-r-t-e-c-h-p-o-d on LinkedIn Twitter Instagram and Facebook or you can contact me directly my handle is benjshap b-e-n-j-s-h-a-p and if you haven't